0: Hey, this is Curious City audio producer Steven Jackson. And today on the show, we're listening back to one of my favorite Curious City episodes. This one has everything. Uh, clout, corruption, subterranean tunnels. It's just a quintessential Chicago story. Reported by Jesse Dukes. That's coming right up. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info
1: and early bird registration
0: at wbez.org events.
1: Hey, I'm Jesse Dukes, here to answer a question from John Foley of
2: Libertyville. My question today is whether or not there's a secret system of railroad tunnels underneath the Chicago Loop area that helped contribute to the Great Flood back in the early 90s.
1: That flood and the tunnels John's talking about made national news in 1992.
2: There were police everywhere in
1: downtown Chicago today as a result of flooding in an old system of underground... Well, the 92 flood flood and the underground rail tunnels, they're definitely related. And the details of the story are great. And in my opinion, those details add up to the most Chicago story ever. That's an argument I made at a Curious City live event. And let me just say, I think our audience bought it. I'm going to play excerpts from that event so you can judge for yourself. Again, the 1992 loop flood, the most Chicago story ever. Here we go. I bet a lot of you know the answer to John's question. Um, Yes, it is true. A system of underground train tunnels did lead to the great Chicago flood of 1992. What was buried in the reporting at the time, and what you might not know, is those train tunnels were never supposed to be there in the first place. At least not if you're a stickler for little details like the law or what the contract says. <laughs> so the story of the 1992 flood starts 93 years earlier in 1899. There was a company called Illinois Telegraph and Telephone, ITT, and and they get permission from the city to build a telephone system in the loop, and they're going to offer the hottest new phone tech. Telephones with dials. Now, their agreement lets them put phone cables underground in conduits or pipes, which would normally be like two or three inches, but for some reason they build these six-foot-tall tunnels. <laughs> then somebody at it and gets the idea that they can put mini railroad tracks in those tunnels and run these tiny little trains. See, they have this business idea. They're going to compete with the delivery carts in the loop. Um, Back then, believe it or not, Chicago had worse traffic than it does today. You had streetcars, horses, carts, people, some automobiles, and it could take like two hours to get from one end of the loop to the other. So an underground traffic-free train sounds brilliant. The only problem, they never got permission from City Hall to build train tunnels. And City Hall is pissed. (laughs) They're not necessarily so angry that it and broke the rules, but because the alderman and the mayor didn't get their cut. Remember I said this was the most Chicago story ever. Okay, it took me 20 minutes to tell this. So let me give you some bullet points. it and patches things up with the city of Chicago and becomes a legit railroad company and operates the world's first underground railroad in a city. There are nearly 60 miles of tunnels, all connected to basements of buildings in the loop. Remember, connected to basements of buildings. At one point, they had over 200 people working in the tunnels. But traffic got better, and trains couldn't compete with delivery trucks. So in 1959, the tunnel company abandons the tunnels, and the city gets stuck looking after them. The tunnels were all but ignored for 30 years, and by 1991, there's basically one guy who, as one of his duties, is supposed to keep track of all 60 miles of tunnels. Now, the details of what happened next are in dispute to this day, but as best as I can piece together, in September 1991, a city contractor is replacing the pilings in the river. Pilings are those bundles of logs that protect the bridges from barges. At the Kinsey Street Bridge, one of the new pilings gets driven into the mud right above a tunnel and damages the ceiling. And a little trickle of water begins. Nobody notices until January 1992, five months later. A cable company working in the tunnels spots a leak. They call the one guy who keeps track of the tunnels, but the city has recently reorganized for greater efficiency. And they can't reach him. In March the tunnel guy finally gets the message and finds the leak. He takes photos, shows them to his bosses, and tells them, this leak is under the river. That could be bad. Now, all this time, there's massive amounts of water pushing down on that leak, and it's getting bigger. In April, the city gets a bid to repair the tunnel, but it's too expensive, so they schedule new contractors to give a cheaper estimate on April 14th. But on April 13th, around 3 a.m., all that water pressure finally turns that little leak into a big leak. Think on your feet
0: for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at
1: wbez.org events. For What Happened Next... Let's go back to our live event and my interview with Larry Langford. Today, he does PR for the Chicago Fire Department, but at the time, he was a radio reporter.
2: So, Larry Langford, explain what you were doing the morning of April 13th. I worked for WMAQ Radio. I was the overnight reporter. I would report on mayhem, fires, shootings, and it was a dead morning. I couldn't find anything to talk about. I was in a car with like 12 scanner radios, and I'm listening to every police district, streets and sand, Fire, nothing is going on. I'm desperate. I hear police dispatchers say there's reports of some water in some of the buildings along State Street. A few feet of water. I'm going, well, water main break. Okay. After a few minutes, I hear more calls. Other businesses, several stores, Marshall Fields. It's now three or four feet of water in the basement. Now this is getting interesting. I might have something here. (laughs) Still more reports come in. Seven feet of water in the basement. 10 feet I'm like ooh (laughs) so I start listening to the the private security channels from the different stores and places in Chicago and I'm listening to the merchandise mart security and they're saying they've got water in the basement of the merchandise mart but then I hear hey there's fish in this water (laughs) well that ain't coming from the water department (laughs)
1: Right. right, let, let's explain that. Um, the water main comes after the filtration plant. Yes, <laughs> right? yes. So
2: if there's fish, what did that make you think? It ain't coming from the water main. <laughs> so what'd you do? So I decided to go over to the uh, merchandise mart where I could hear the radio traffic better and see what's really going on. So I go over there, and the merchandise mart is near the Kinsey Street Bridge. Uh, just be clear, are you aware of the tunnel system at this point? Do you know Oh, yeah. Okay. I, knew the, I knew the tunnel system. I had been in it. So I said, well, fish, mart, river, bridge, eh. I got out of the car, and I went over to the bridge, and I looked down, and what I saw looked like the biggest bathtub drain ever. (laughs) There was a swirl of water about 10 feet across with debris in it, and it looked like a giant drain. Ran back to the car and got on on the microphone, put me on the air, put me on, put me on. What do you got? Just put me on the radio. So I go on the air, and I said something like, I may have found the source of the water problem in downtown Chicago. (laughs) It may be the Chicago River itself. I'm looking at the Kinsey Street Bridge, and below I see what looks like the world's largest drain. Somebody ought to wake the mayor up. (laughs) About eight minutes after that report... Sirens, fire department, police department, streets and sand, black city cars with officials and cigars. And the first thing I did was, get out of here. So I left. Where'd you go? To the other side of the river. And what'd you see? I saw the crews were looking at the swirl, scratching their head. Uh, a few expletives were being used. It was a sideshow. Pickups started coming, dump trucks started coming. They opened up a hole uh, by the Kinsey Street Bridge and they started dropping mattresses in. <laughs> All kinds of junk trying to stop the flow of water. Why why mattresses? Someone thought they would expand <laughs> and and seal up the hole.
1: So, as Larry watches them try to stop the flood, another radio reporter, a young guy working for NPR, is on the scene.
2: Chicago Mayor Richard Daley may get the city declared an emergency tomorrow. Today, he was defensive in several appearances before reporters. What's Mayor, your main, what's your main concern, concern, concern right now, is to Stop Mayor? the flow of water going in. <laughs> Mayor Daley, how did this start? We don't or? know yet. We don't know yet. How did this start? It was broken. We, we don't by, know yet. We don't know. City. We don't know yet. The Chicago Board of Trade and the Mercantile Exchange suspended trading. The subway was closed.
1: That's Ira Glass reporting for NPR, and he explains dozens of buildings have flooded basements, including City Hall, Marshall Fields, the Art Institute. The city worries about electrical explosions, so they cut power to the loop. Tens of thousands of office workers evacuate. 15,000 people tromp down as many as a hundred flights of stairs in the Sears Tower because they don't want to get stuck in the elevator.) The CTA deploys extra buses to help everybody get home. They have trainee cops directing traffic. And we can be proud to say it all went pretty smoothly. Nobody got hurt. But it did take six weeks to pump water out of the tunnels. And it took seven years to resolve all the legal battles. Remember, I'm arguing this might be the most Chicago story ever. To review, we heard about a construction project without the right permits something buried underground that comes back to haunt us. We had helpful public servants, we had unhelpful public servants, a beleaguered defensive mayor, and here's the last bit of evidence I laid out in the live event. So in 1992, the Chicago tunnel flood, we had 250 million gallons of water flood into the tunnels and basements in Chicago, and it was believed to be the largest underground flood in an American city. It was. Until 2012, when Hurricane Sandy caused flooding in New York's subway system with an estimated 500 million gallons of water coming in. So, we're second to New York. (laughs) How could it be more Chicago than that? Reporting this week came from me, Jesse Dukes. Special thanks to Bruce Moffitt and to our questioner, John Foley. And one last thing
0: before you go. So we recently got a question from a listener who wanted to know what can be done to support small businesses. It's a great question. Small businesses have been hit really hard by the pandemic. So we wanted to hear from you. Do you know of any local efforts to help keep small businesses afloat? Have you organized in your community to support a local business? Let us know. Send us an email at curiouscity@wbez.org, at WBEZ.org or find us on Twitter or Facebook. Support for Curious City comes from the Conant Family Foundation.